Welcome to Life Point with your host, Pastor Tom Doherty. Hey folks, thanks again for being here today. We are continuing uh, through the book of John. I'm with Pastor Max Buchanan, and he's going to be leading us, and I'll be chipping in now and again, but I'm glad you're listening because these are the words of Jesus Christ. In fact, I tell people if there's one book you want to read over and over again, read the book of John. You're going to find out what Jesus says, what Jesus wants of us, and it's awesome. So we are now to the last part of the 15th chapter of John, and we are going to read into the 16th chapter. Uh, Pastor Max, thanks for joining me again today. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, hey, one more day, and then we've got a week. So, and we hope we get some good stuff out of this. Absolutely. We're going to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to move on a little bit. So I'm going to read down a little ways, and then we'll start talking about this. So folks, six, chapter 15, verse 26. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this, I now we're in chapter 16, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. Oh, you mean you can fall away? Oh, <laughs> you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. And we know that's some religions that do that kind of thing. Anyway, I'm just adding as I go here. (laughs) They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. It didn't have a relationship with him. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember what I warned you about then, that, that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asked me where you are going. Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good thing. I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove to the world to be wrong about sin, to to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Okay, that was a mouthful. Yeah, absolutely. So starting out in 15 and working our way to 16, it mentions the helper, the advocate. It's the Greek word paraclete, and uh, it means the Holy Spirit. We know that in Acts 2, it becomes present, and it does exactly what Jesus says it's going to do, which is very interesting to look at. It testifies about Jesus. And that's what's awesome about it is like we can know through and through that it is the Spirit of God because it acts and it looks a lot like the person that we know as Jesus Christ. It also looks a lot like the Father that we read in the Old Testament. Why? Because it's all God. God in three persons. It's the Trinity. And so we get a full glimpse into it. He says the Father himself and now the Spirit is going to be made public. There's glimpses into the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament. There's actually a pretty popular word in the Old Testament called ruach, which means wind or breath um, that we see kind of... With an R? Yeah. Um, And we kind of see it throughout the Old Testament as this idea of like God's spirit at different times at the work at work in Israel. And then as we get to the New Testament, we know that there's 
the fulfillment, which is Jesus of the law. And now we're stepping into new covenant with him. Same God, new covenant. And as we do so, he says that he's going to go away and the Holy Spirit's going to be made public. Why? Because Jesus is fully God, but he's bound in flesh. He came and lived a human life to die on the cross and come back. And so now with the Holy Spirit, he says, you're going to see the great work, but the volume's going to increase because it's going to come present in the life of the believer. And something I have a hard time just because I have an earthly brain uh, <laughs> is is thinking about that. I'm like, okay, so if the Holy Spirit comes, does that mean we each just get like a little bit of drop? No, it's full-blown God at work, like full-blown everywhere. So in our lives, it's not like I get my drop and you get your drop and it comes together and it makes, you know, a little bit more. There is, we definitely do gather together for to use the gifts that the Spirit's given us, but it's God and He's present in our lives. And then it goes through and gives us a few things that it's going to do as we worked through that. And so it's continuing to say there's going to be people that realize it, people that don't realize it. And then as it goes through, um, it says that it's going to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And so it's going to convict the world. That's what it does. It comes into our lives and says these are the areas in which you need to work on. You need to relinquish your sin. Um, And then... It is going to um, show us righteousness, right? And it's going to point us to righteousness and what that looks like, sanctification, walking towards Christ. And then ultimately, it also gives us this idea of judgment. And so it's like we look forward as Christians and as Bible reading Christians, it's very clear that the day of the Lord is a real thing. And when you look at the day of the Lord or the day of judgment, um, as we see throughout Scripture, even in the Old Testament, it's this time where God's wrath is poured out on those who choose not to be with him. And so the Holy Spirit continues, continues, continues in our lives to knock, 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 knock. And there's some that will receive it and others that will choose to blaspheme it. There's those that will choose to be with God. And just like we continue to read, we read in Ephesians at church on Sunday, in Ephesians 2, um, that it's dead people coming alive. And not only are we alive, but then we're promoted in heavenly places, is what it says, that we're invited to be even a greater part than we should be. So not only do we not get what we deserve, we get what we really don't deserve if we choose to you know, open our hearts to a loving God. But if we choose to reject that loving God, then our own demise you know, awaits. And we talked about how throughout Scripture, that shows us, like, it, there's countless examples of that being done. We compared it to a chapter in Exodus, because we were looking at a verse in Exodus 34 um, of just how God, this was after the time of the giving of the law, called Israel to turn from this golden calf and to follow him. Some did, and they had relationship with God. And then eventually after, you know, generations, once it was seen fit because of their rebellion, they were able to enter into the promised land. But others did not, and they fell victim to that golden calf, and they ended up dying. So some inherited what God had for them, and others didn't. And that's an archetype all the way throughout. And I'm actually preaching on Sunday, and I'm preaching on the prophet Elisha out of Second Kings. And it's an interesting interesting story. Um, the story really, you know, doesn't have anything to, to do with what we're talking with now, Second Kings chapter 6. But I think Second Kings shows us this example, or the kings, because if you get a glimpse of the Old Testament, and first and second uh, Samuel, you're looking at the life of David. And so Israel, who's a nation that's supposed to be governed by God, basically 
says to God they want an earthly king because they're looking around. Everybody has these earthly kings. They say, we want that. So they get this earthly king. He starts out good, ends up bad. And so God says, let me take a king and put him in there that will actually do good. So you get David. And so this is this archetype of this great king. We know he has his flaws because you're not supposed to get him confused with the person of Jesus, right? You're supposed to see that he's 100% human and he doesn't have a divine nature, but it says that his heart's like God's. And so he continues on through that. You get to the uh, the books of First and Second Kings, and it picks up with David's sons. And then you see Israel struggle with their relationship with God. It starts off on a really good note, right? Solomon, David's son, he takes over. He asks for wisdom. God grants it. He does something incredible, which is build a permanent place for God to dwell in Israel. That's the temple. We see that that was a great work, but he makes very bad political de- decisions and kind of continues on and it just aids in his destruction, destruction, destruction. Continually you go through Israel and they can never really get it together. Israel ends up splitting in two. You have the northern kingdoms and the southern kingdoms. Southern kingdoms have a couple righteous kings. I think there's eight, so they don't have a real good approval rating because 12 <laughs> of them are bad, right? right yeah. um, but then you get to the northern kingdom and all of their kings are just horrible. Yep. And so God ultimately you know, relinquishes uh, his hand on them and he pulls back. And his protection and first the Syrians raid and t- try to take over things and then all these neighboring nations are rising up against and eventually even the southern kingdoms who had eight righteous kings uh, but could never really get it together they fall to the Babylonians and so it's this whole picture of what destruction looks like when we don't trust God and we went from the story even in there where there's this great building of a temple a place where God can reside with his people all the way to a destruction where that temple no longer exists and people are slaves. What does the Bible say about our lives? We start out as slaves to sin and we can either accept what Jesus has for us, which is salvation and the Holy Spirit's making available for us, just like that Old Testament story. He desires to tabernacle or or to have his temple be in our bodies so that he can legitimately come and be a part of us residing with his creation. But Many people will reject that and not create the temple for them or give them the space in their life, per se, is what that metaphor is, and it will lead to destruction. That's what he's saying here. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to come in, convict you of sins, turn you to righteousness. However, if you don't accept that, then destruction awaits. That's right. And, and by the way, uh, Max, uh, when he says he's speaking this Sunday, uh, this oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, this, <laughs> this would already be passed, uh, so it's actually, you're not speaking this Sunday. But you can go check it out online. Yes. As always, can. we have uh, a great yeah, you can, archive uh, of sermons. What is the Sunday that that date is on? November 7th. 7th. So he's speaking on November 7th. Obviously, we're producing a show prior to that. So you're you're about two or three weeks uh, uh, behind in a sense, but we get ahead of it. So uh, anyway, yeah. just thought I'd tell you that. So yeah, go to the archives and look up any of Max's messages or any of our messages, and I think you'll be blessed by it. Or even go to the radio archives, and you can listen to our past uh, things too. Anyway, verse 8 says, When he comes, he will prove, prove to the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Talking about the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will prove to the world. How will he prove to the world? By continuing to just reveal it to us, right? As Christians, as we accept it, what it's saying is that he continues to convict of sins. And that, and the fact that 
the devil has no power, right? right. Like right. that's what's so crazy about it is that a dead people are coming alive. And there's only one thing that can do that, and that's the Holy Spirit. That's God, right? And so as people continue to come to life from death in sin, it's just going to prove that uh, you know the devil doesn't have any hold on what God is doing. Well, you know, that's you always hear that phrase, the devil made me do it. Eh, the devil didn't make you do it. You, you made your choice to do it. Absolutely. Everybody has a choice. Well, folks, we're going to close it here today, and we're going to move into uh, the 16th verse of chapter 16 tomorrow. So I hope you'll join us for our last show of the week, and I pray God will bless you. And Max, is always, so good to have you with us. Good to be here. And uh, we always enjoy listening. If you guys want to hear a good message, I tell you what, Uh, Listen to Pastor Max, uh, either in person or online, and Pastor Allen. They're both gifted. Lord bless you. Have a great day. LifePoint is a ministry of the Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like a copy of today's broadcast or would like more information about the church, please call us at 208-362-1700 or write to Cloverdale Church of God, 3755 South Cloverdale Road, Boise, Idaho, 83709. You may also visit us at our website, www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.